Pastor Jen's message a little bit with the mountains. And uh, if you missed uh, Wednesday's message with Pastor Jen, I highly encourage you to listen to it. It was powerful. Seems so basic, but man, sometimes we've just left the basics sometimes, right? It's like you have to keep remembering going back to the things that are at the foundation. And so, and so she talked about uh, mountains. You know, that scripture it says, uh, speak to this mountain, believe in your heart, and do not doubt. And whatever you say to it, be cast in the sea, it'll have to move, Right? The Lord's given us an arsenal of tools and equipment at our disposal, right? Because there are things coming against. There's a war for your soul. How many know you're in a war, amen? Yeah. And you see all that death, destruction, and around you. That's not, that just doesn't come naturally from people, right? I mean, you look, think of the evil things, the really evil things that people have done. You think that came from their own imaginings? From their own thing no that's that's straight from the pit of hell right I would never think of even imagining some of these things you know it's the devil messing with people putting these I mean it's people that question God just look at the evil in the world you think that's natural you wouldn't do that naturally well how about these other people that did those things that's not natural it's evil it's God's looking to use us to wipe out this evil, right? To bring the light to the darkness. One of the key things that she preached the message was, your words have the power to build mountains or to tear down mountains. Right? The Bible says you're going to eat the fruit of what comes out of your mouth. Well, that can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending who you are, right? <laughs> depending what's coming out. You're going to live into what you speak. So whether that's evil or whether that's good. And then pre a couple of weeks ago, she taught a message on uh, I am that I am. Being careful to say I am something. I was just talking about this last night with our uh, men's discipleship. They got to be careful what comes after the words I am. Because if the word says you are healed, you are righteous, you are blessed, then how can you say, I am sick, I am broken, I am broke? You're contradicting yourself. You just negate the thing that you were trying to believe in. Well, what's more true? What the word of God says or what you see? And I was telling them that you got to realize you're a three-part being. You're a body, soul, and spirit. Or I should say it the other way. What comes really first? Spirit, soul, and body, right? Spirit, soul, and body. And what she preached and what I kind of figured out years ago, I just, I never had that teaching. I had nobody taught me on it, but yet somehow through the Holy Spirit, I just knew not to say negative things after I am because I realized Saying I am is a confession of the now and also into my future. It's like a declaration. Now, if I talk about past and say I was, that's behind me. But to say I am is to set it before me, right? So it's like when you, when you use that phrase, I am, God says, I am that I am. So I only want to align myself with what he says he is, right? He is righteous. He is holy. He is all these things. So when you say that phrase, I am, only allow that to line up with what the word of God says, to what he says he is. Because you can claim all those attributes, right? Because we're made in the likeness and image of him. Because when you say it, you're saying out of your born-again spirit, right? Realize, so remember, you're that three-part being. And what God showed me is that when you say I am, you are speaking on behalf of your spirit. And your spirit is perfect, now, when you got saved, your flesh didn't get saved. Your soul did not get saved. What got saved? Your spirit. Your spirit became alive unto God, a born again, a new man, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Right? So when I say the words, I am, I am speaking on behalf of who I am inside of me, of Jesus Christ that's 
in me. So I want that to line up with who is in me. You say, well, what do I say when someone comes up and says, well, how you feeling, brother? Well, I feel like crap. <laughs> right? How, why do we say that? Because I have senses, right? Sight, vision, taste, smell, touch. And like when something's going on, you, you feel it. You, know, you sense it. You can, it's part of our physical nature to sense things and to feel things. So I recommend when someone asks you how you're doing in this situation and you want to stay in faith, use the words, I feel, instead of I am. Because the feeling is temporary, but the I am is permanent. Right? So use the, I know it's a little, it might be a little tricky at first to get used to, but I think you're going to see results. I thought you didn't have money. Aren't you broke? No. I'm not broke. <laughs> I was broke, but I've been speaking the word that I'm blessed, right? Start replacing the things that, yeah, you maybe currently look like with the natural sense, but that's not really what's going on because you've been confessing the word. And so when you speak the word, you actually have those things that you ask. Get a little ahead of myself, so... But today is going to be an interesting uh, message here. Lord told me to do a bunch of illustrated sermons. So I got like six, six illustrations lined up and ready to go. So. <laughs> so what do you see? So mountains are not just obstacles that get in the way from you going from point A to point B. They definitely are. But they also hinder your ability to see past them. They obstruct your vision. If you allow them to get big enough, they will cast you into their shadow, leaving you to wander in the dark. God doesn't want you in the dark. He doesn't want you under the shadow of situations. He wants you under the shadow of his wings, right? right? The shadow of the Almighty. It's in there is protection. There's light. His shadow is light. <laughs> How does that work, Lord? <laughs> You'll see someday. <laughs> uh, Proverbs twenty nine eighteen in the Amplified says, Where there is no vision, no revelation of God and his word, the people are unrestrained. They quickly wander astray. They run wild. But happy and blessed is he who keeps the law of God. Anyone ever dealt with a mountain for a long time? You know, those mountains that tend to stick around. And you kind of start singing that song. I've been going around the mountain when she comes. <laughs> I've been going around the mountain. <laughs> I don't know, Chief, I get tired of some mountains that are kept rearing their ugly heads. And man, we've dealt with some mountains over and over and over. But God wants us to finally rid ourselves of these mountains that try to set themselves before, between you and God, right? I mean, no, it's hard to serve God fully when you're broke and can't afford anything. It's hard to serve God when your body's broken down and you're just feeling this pain, and yet God wants you to go lay hands on this and do this, and you're just like, ugh, I can barely get out of bed. It's hard. It's a mountain before you that's preventing you from walking in your destiny and your place. So what are you going to do about it? You say, well, that's God's job. Yes and no. <laughs> There's this middle road. He's come to partner with you. God didn't say, uh, just pray to me and I'll speak to the mountains in your life. I'll take care of everything. I'll, you, just open your mouth. Ga, ga, goo, ga. I'm going to do the choo-choo, chugga, chugga. Right? <laughs> Spoon feed you for the rest of your, your days. No, God's called you to mature in the Lord to grow up. Yeah, that may have been acceptable when you were a babe, right? When you didn't know any better. But many of us are way beyond that stage now. Yeah, there may be some new people in there that you're new in the Lord. And God's going to grow you up and show you things of what he wants you to do, what's acceptable to him, what's not. Don't get too caught up and, oh my goodness, look at this word of God and how many things. I don't, I don't know if I can keep. God only holds you accountable for what you currently know. Right? And as he reveals things to you, then he expects you 
to do that. Just like when we were growing up, right? There's a like growing up now as an adult, it's like I know a lot of things that I shouldn't do. Shouldn't stick my finger in the light socket. Shouldn't stick my hand on the stove. <laughs> right? But guess what? As a baby, I didn't know those things. And I wasn't held accountable to those things. So God doesn't hold you accountable beyond what he has revealed to you. Now at the same time, <laughs> ignorance can hurt you. You know, me not knowing not to stick my finger in the light socket can hurt me. Right? <laughs> God's got a lot of grace and mercy, but in due time and season, he expects you to go from glory to glory, from knowledge to knowledge to line upon line, precept upon precept. He expects you to grow at a steady pace, right? If you're 30 years old and you still haven't learned not to stick your finger on the, on your, in the light socket or hand on the stove, well, <laughs> something's wrong, right? He's told you many times again, slap that hand, right? He's corrected you. He's instructed you right? There's things he's told us not to get involved in that we're getting involved with, right? He's told you. So grow, grow, grow in what he's told you to do. Sin is doing what you know to be wrong, right? It's not the whole list of the Bible just like everything in there is sin. It's like, yeah, once you find out it's wrong, you know, when you get saved, you might have just five things that you know are wrong. You know, don't swear, don't do this, don't steal, don't kill anybody. All right. <laughs> All right, I'll try not to do those, Lord. Right? But someone that's been saved five years, ten years, they got a whole long list of things that they know would be sin to them. Right? Because they've grown in the Word. They've read the Word. Now they have a standard. Right? The Word is our standard to judge our life by. And the more we get in the Word, the more standard that we have to compare right? I know the world's constantly trying to bring down that standard, right? Because no one likes to feel convicted, right? Anybody like feeling that guilt and that shame and that, oh, I messed up again. I'm just a worthless, you know, <laughs> you know what? But it's like, so what does the world do? They say, oh, I don't like that conviction, that, that guilt. I'll just reduce my standard and say, oh, no, that's really acceptable. It's okay to steal just a little bit. Right? And the next time it'll be, oh, you can steal a little bit more. Next thing you know, they're just full-blown into anything and everything. Right? That's just how the devil works. He just, oh, just do a little bit. It's not that bad. He just tries to get that standard to come down and down and down and down. But God's standard, the more you come into him, it goes up, it goes up, it goes up, it goes up. And it's a good thing because it's going to bless you. Right? God's, God's law and his word is not to be the ultimate killjoy. No, when you operate within the safe bounds of the word, you become more blessed and have more joy than what you would if you decrease those standards. Right? Anybody? I mean, we've seen the world. I mean, you see what happens when they win the lottery, when they, you know, have everything they want. It just amplifies the sin in their life and they're miserable. Money is like an amplifying factor in your life. It'll just multiply what you're currently doing. So don't be too eager to get money. <laughs> it's like if your heart's right with God and you know you can handle it and it's going to multiply the goodness of God in your life, now you're ready. Now it's a good time, right? But when you're caught up in things, if you're caught up in gambling and addictions, it's just going to amplify those things. So don't be too eager for those yet. Wait till you hang around with God some more and have him weed those things out in your life. All right, back to my, my message. <laughs> I got lots to, lots to happen today. So uh, the problem with looking at something too long, it tends to draw your gaze from God. It seems to suck you in further where you can no longer see God. You become blinded to God's hope and his word. The longer you look and meditate on the problem, the circumstance, or the sin, you become unrestrained, wandering aimlessly. You become more lost, right? The more I focus on an issue, a problem, a sin, while God's walking in his path and his truth, the more I'm going to get away from the light, the more I'm going to be lost in darkness. He doesn't want that to happen. So, so I'm going to do a little uh, illustration here. I got any chairs around here? Uh, someone want to bring a chair in? So be ready to participate in whatever you want to participate in. I'm going to need uh, probably quite a few people for a bunch of these different things. 
And uh, it'll be fun, right? And we like to have fun in church, right? I mean, look at Jesus, the way he taught and preached. Like, he's got a log, and he's, like, plank taken out of people's eye and your brother's eye. It's like, he was having fun. You can bring him up. Yeah. Uh, bring both. I might need both. Who knows? So. <laughs> All right, you can sit up there. Thanks, Don. All right. So I need some mountains here. I need some issues, some circumstances, some problems. I'm, I'm going to sit in this chair, and I need some mountains to surround me for a minute. So just come up if you want to volunteer here and just kind of stand around me and uh, make yourself a mountain. Come on. Not anybody at once. Just come on up. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. It's a it's, it's a growling. It's like YMCA over here. Courtney, if you want to grab the flashlight. And so what happens, you know, the devil's trying to get coarsely, of course, throw all these distractions, all these issues, all these problems, have you deal with sin. You can go outside. You're going you're to represent God, right? He's the, he's the light, right? So turn that light on. And it's like, I'm connect with God. Like, I got my gaze on God, right? Well, what's he trying to do? Yeah, then he tries to send in these mountains. And you're just like, wait, oh, yeah, oh, that. Oh, and this one is just like, ah, <laughs> right? It's like you're loose. All of a sudden, you have these shadows being cast on you that yeah. you can't see the light anymore. So what do you do? How do you resist this? And come, the Bible says, speak to the mountain, right? So be gone in Jesus' name. Mountain be removed, sin be gone, addiction be gone in Jesus' name. I said be gone in the name of Jesus. I resist you by the Jesus. <laughs> be gone in Jesus' name. Amen. There's power in his name. And once the mountains are removed, guess what? I have clear line of sight again to see. Right? So this is just easy examples and demonstrations of what's actually happening spiritually. So when you feel like, ah, oh, I just feel like I haven't seen God in a while, it's just like, you feel like you're in the dark, you know, like he left you or, no, he hasn't left you. He's still shining his light. He's still right there. It's that you've allowed things to come between you and him, whether ignorantly, whether on purpose, right? So, uh, see, does, does your alone time with God seem like it's been choked out by other things? Have you asked yourself lately, how is it I have not read one scripture this entire week? And we ever find yourself saying that? It's like, man, how, how have I not read the Bible this week? Right? It's just like, what's going on? When's the last time I prayed and worshiped God? Oh, was that the last time I was in service? Ooh. You know, it's like, <laughs> when's the last time I talked with God and just prayed with him, me and him alone? You know, what's going on? You've allowed mountains or people or idols or sins or fears or cares children to be built between you and God. Yes, yeah, some of these mountains, you know, children aren't a bad thing, but you can prioritize and put them ahead of your relationship with God, and he doesn't want that. How are you supposed to show, be the light to them when you're not even connected to the light, right? God needs you on your A game. He needs you join a partner with him because if you're going to raise kids, that's no easy task. You're going to need all the help you can get from him, right? It's not easy. Right? So when you're hooked up with him, now you can effectively raise up your children in the ways of the Lord. You try doing that with putting them as priority, you're disconnected from him. And it's going to be very hard. 2 Corinthians 3.18 in the King, New King James says, 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So what does that mean? Well, we're going to demonstrate this. So I need two volunteers. Someone to hold a mirror, and then, uh, let's see. Well, yeah, maybe just one. Courtney, you want to come up? You can sit in the chair. I'm going to grab this mirror here. All 
All right, so what's happening, this scripture says, when I am looking at the Lord, it is transforming me, right? What you look upon has the ability to transform you into what you look upon. This is why, you know, when you're hanging out with certain people, when you're... Can I get a volunteer? Don, thank you. <laughs> Don's got this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's see. You ever ever heard your parents ask you, who have you been hanging around? (laughs) Right? It's like, how do they know? (laughs) Well, what happens is (laughs) when they look at you, they used to reflect the Lord, but now reflected as somebody else. Let's say over a Phyllis. Now when they look at you, they're saying, who have you been hanging around? (laughs) <laughs> right and you see phyllis and you're like i've been hanging around phyllis <laughs> trouble trouble double trouble <laughs> right so it's like this with us you know whoever you seem to hang around whatever you set your guys on when you when you're watching tv when you're watching the news when you're watching things that you shouldn't it starts to transform you into what God never intended. People, when people look at you, they start to see the reflection of what you've been hanging around, what you've been allowing yourself to see and come into your ears, right? But we don't want that. We want this. We want when, we, when they look at us, when they look at Don, right, he reflects God. He reflects Christ, right? We want them to see Christ in us. Well, how does that work? That only works when Don is facing God, right? When he's reading the word, when he's praising God, when he's meditating on the Lord, right? Then we are reflecting Christ. Amen? Amen. Thank you, guys. All right. Amen. Uh, Colossians 3.10 in the New American Standard. Uh, Colossians 3.10 and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. See, we are made in the likeness and the image, right? What, it's like we operate so much through sight and hearing, right? It's like God has set it up this way. And so when we think of him, and meditate on him, look upon him, listen to him, we start to be transformed into him. That is how we will become in the likeness and image of God. Now when I say that, remember we're a three-part being, and our spirit is already like him. Your born-again spirit has already become like Christ. Right? What we're trying to do is to save our soul and our flesh. Right? That's what we're, while we're on this earth, with our natural bodies, like that's our goal is to get to renew our minds, right? We're trying to renew ourselves to look like our born-again spirit. That's the struggle that we have, right? It's a mind game. So to win this mind game, we need to control what is coming in through our eyes and through our ears. That is the only way you're going to win this game, this war that's being played out for your soul. Proverbs 4, 23 in the NIV says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. See, what you look at enters your mind, and if you meditate on it, think on it long enough, what happens? If you start to believe it, it starts to drop down into your heart. This is why it's important, because when you meditate on God and his word, you meditate on it, you start to chew on it, eventually you swallow it as your belief, and it becomes a part of your heart, your belief system, and now that is, you're going to live out from your heart. You don't do anything that really isn't already in your heart. Yeah, there may be sometimes we just rashly make decisions, do something we don't normally do, I get that, but most of your living comes from your heart something that's in you, that's in, you live out what you believe, right? So, if 
you want your life to change, to look like Christ, you're going to have to change what's in your heart. How are you going to do that? Looking in the word, looking at God, listening to God. The more you look and look and look and listen to the word, the world, the more you become like them. The more you listen to God, the more you become like him. Psalms 119:36 through 37 says, "Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. So can you follow the Lord, follow and be in fellowship with the Lord while your gaze is on someone or something else? All right, let's play follow the leader. <laughs> Who wants to be the leader? All right, come on up. You raised your hand, right? <laughs> you recruited yourself for this one. <laughs> right, so you're just going to walk around, and uh, I'm just going to try to follow you, but my, my gaze is kind of set on other things. Yeah, so I'm just like, hey, yeah, and then... You know, I'm looking over here. Where'd you go, Lord? Lord, where are you? Uh, you know, I'm, try I'm following you, Lord. And he's just like, <laughs> it's not possible to, thank you. It's not possible to follow the Lord and have your gaze on other things. So that's what's wrong with the mountains in your life. They, <laughs> your gaze is on these things. They're before you, right? Your eyes are focused on them. God needs those things removed so your eyes can see him clearly. Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Right? Same exact example. It's like, if, I got, if I'm chasing after money, well, God's going a different way. Right? A lot of people chase careers, chase all sorts of things. That's not God's plan for you. He says, follow after me. Put ye first the kingdom of God. Right? And then all these things will follow you. See, the, see, you're busy chasing money, but if you would just follow God, money would have to chase you. Better to have money chase you than you chase money. Amen? Right? And we tired of chasing money and like, Lord, I need this. And you're just like working hard, slaving away for it. Yeah, if God calls you to work and do things, yes. But at the same time, you can't put your trust in chasing after money. You can't have your focus on that. Your eyes got to be focused and gazed upon the Lord. And he said he'll have those blessings and money overtake you while you're setting your hand to do what he told you to do. But not just like what you would normally get. He's going to press it down, shake it together, compact it together, and give you overflowing. Because you can only get just a little bit. Man, but God, he can take that little bit and multiply it. And have those blessings overtake you. Amen. All right, so what we need to do, you know, when you have these mountains in the way, a lot of times repent, first of all, because a lot of times we built these mountains ourselves, right, by what we spoke, whether ignorantly or willfully, or got involved in these sins, and they just kind of built these mountains between us and God. So repent is a daily thing that the body of Christ needs to get used to doing. Right? We think it's, oh, it's every, every couple months, you know, you repent. No. <laughs> Anybody mess up every day? Yeah. Yeah. So you can get to a spot where you don't, and it could be a couple days, and then maybe a week, and then maybe a couple weeks, but that's like high-level stuff, let me tell you. <laughs> that's high-level stuff, and I'm working my way towards it. I believe, you know, I see it. I can operate in that, but that depends on me. If I'm making the right decisions right? It's not somebody else's fault. You know, I'm, I'm accountable to me. I make my own decisions. <laughs> God placed me with that authority to guide my own life. So that means I got to put a guard over my mouth, over my eyes, over my ears, and focus on him and only do those things that he did, right? That's how Jesus did it, right? How was he able to live this sinless life? He says, I only do that which I hear or see my father doing. 
right? That's the key. It's like if we can just see him and hear him, we'll have the power to do what he wants us to do. Without that, without that foundation, that root of knowing that, you're not going to do it. You're not going to be able to do it. So that's why this message of getting rid of these mountains in your life is so important. Why resisting the devil is so important. So many of us just are just kind of beat up. We even beat up over so many years just didn't really know how to use our weapons, our tools that God has given us effectively. We just thought, oh, God's all sovereign. He'll take care of it. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, he's sovereign. But guess what? He's giving you responsibility. We just like to shift that blame and responsibility on God. God, well, you did, that, didn't come, that didn't come the way that you said. I guess, I guess it's your fault. <laughs> yeah, right. You will not stand before God and point your finger. I guarantee you. <laughs> he says, no, I told you something to do and you didn't do it. Therefore, you didn't reap the benefits of what you confessed. You confessed you were willing, but you weren't obedient. Or the opposite. You, you were obedient, you set your hand to it, but you did it grudgingly. You weren't willing. You just, uh, yeah, I guess I'm going to go serve the Lord and go win souls today. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that, Lord. Yeah, oh, i got to get up and go on the worship team this morning. And here we go again. i got to deal with this person. You know, it's just like, God, he isn't like that either. Right? You ever told your kids, like, go clean your room. What, what, what response do you want to hear? Okay. Right? With a smile on the face. Not, okay, I guess I'll do it, Mom. Only because I have to. Because I love you, Mom. <laughs> right? Like, you don't want to hear that. You want to see the excitement. You want them both to be willing and obedient. God says when you're willing and obedient, then you'll eat the good. Right? The good. He has good for you, and he wants you to partake of it. We need to be willing and obedient to do what he says. So do what he says, but with a good heart too. So how many would say they are unsure of the specific calling God has for them? Just go ahead and give me a little raise. Maybe you just don't know, haven't heard, haven't seen what the Lord quite has for you yet. Now I'm not talking about the general calling right, that we all have to preach the gospel, make disciples of all men, and love God and man, right? We all know that, right? But what about something specific? Like, God, what's your specific plan? What am I gifted with? Let me just see a raise of hands. Anyone just kind of unsure, maybe don't know, right? Well, God wants you to know this morning, right? Because you're going to, everything in your life is going to change based on the direction he needs you to head, right? Like when you graduate you know, high school, it's important to know the direction you plan on going. Why? Because your whole life is going to start altering to wherever. If you're going to go to college, if you're going to go to this work, you start aligning yourself in the direction, right? It's like you're ready to take off, but if you're on a runway and you got, they go every direction, well, you need to know which way to point, right? <laughs> Right? Because God's got things in store for you. He's got things for you to do. You need to know that direction. So he's gonna, he wants to give you that direction this morning. So I believe he's going to speak to you. He's going to give you a vision. God has many ways of getting you to know this. Right? One of the biggest ways is reading in his word and in prayer. Right? Because again, just like you know, growing up, the more we were taught, the more things made sense, the more we could start to see and understand things. The more you get into the Word, the more you stay close to Him, the more you'll begin to see, right? His light shines things. He illuminates. So, um, if God wrote you a blank check and you no longer needed to work, what would you do? Think about that. Blank check. You don't need to work anymore. What would you do? What would you set your hand to? Would you think, oh, now I get into the ministry that God put on my heart. Wait, why haven't you been doing the ministry God put in your heart already? Because we were letting money, time, other things dictate to us what we were going to do. God doesn't want money dictating to you what you cannot do for him, what you can and cannot do, right? Money's a bad leader. <laughs> Money's a bad God. 
<laughs> it's not looking out for your best interest, I tell you that much. Man, but God, he's looking out for your best interest. He knows. Right? So think about what would you do if you could just quit your job, you had everything provided for, what would you set your hand to? What's in your heart? Those are the things God wants you to start to meditate on. Because he's going to start he's going to start asking you to set your hand to things while you're working, while you're doing. And once you start, this is what happened to me this year in my life. For years, I've known I've been called to ministry, called to teach, called to preach. And I was always like, throughout the years, like, oh, is it, is my, is it ready? Look, Courtney, I might be quitting my job soon to go. And it's like, I can, looking back in hindsight, I know I wasn't in a place because I wasn't connected with him as much as I needed to be. Right? It's like, if I were to, quit I, I was offered basically to do Wednesday services every couple weeks like well how much time does that take to prepare a message like oh, a couple hours for me but it's like I can't quit my job and do that full time there's not enough opportunity right but when I start getting connected with God at the beginning of this year at a much greater level all of a sudden I began to see and he started to give me these tasks and these big visions that take a lot of time a lot of effort and he just started stacking them up and I'm thinking God, I don't have time in a day to do this. He's like, perfect. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm transitioning you now because now your heart's in the right place. The mountains have been removed, and now I'm giving you the things to do. So if you don't have things to do, well, you probably have some mountains removed like I did. There were some things in the way that he, didn't, he wasn't ready to give. I wasn't ready to see and set my hand to them. My heart wasn't in the right place. I wasn't drawing close to him like, I used to with like my first love, right? Back when I first got saved. Go back to the former things, right? When I was, I just woke up in the morning just excited, like already thinking about God, praising God, like, man. Well, now I'm back to that spot. And wow, amazing how all of a sudden the Lord started giving me all these things to do. It's like, <laughs> that's, that's, what he, that's what he wants for you. He wants to give you things to do. But take care of the stuff in the way first, and then he'll start to give you anything. Well, now, now I can't be doing what I'm doing. I got too many things that God wants me to do. Now I can start to put these things behind. Now I can quit my job. And now I can start to do because there's just too much to do. God, I don't have the time in a day to do everything you've called me to do now. So now it's like he made that transition easy because I always thought, man, how am I going to tell my wife I want to quit my job? Right? <laughs> it's not what your wife wants to hear, right? <laughs> Honey, I think about quitting my job again <laughs> so I can go preach Three times, once a week every month. She's like, you don't need to quit your job for that. No. <laughs> oh, I tried to play that card. Somebody says, like, my heart just wanted to serve God, but yet I wasn't making my flesh obedient to what I needed to do to make that happen. I knew better. I knew what would it cost, and I wasn't paying the price. Right? We got, it's a price to pay when you want to serve the Lord. Right? You think it cost the disciples nothing to follow Christ? They had families. They had jobs. And they just went, whew. They just followed him. Left everything. That's a high price. But not just for a week. They paid that for three years. And then after that, they continued to pay that price with their life. Well, what thing has God called you to? Are you willing to pay that price to leave all the stuff you like doing, you desire to do, you know? Give up the TV shows, give up this, give up internet, give up Facebook, give up talking on the phone for endless hours. And all these things are just like, yeah, they may not be bad, but they can be a priority to you instead of the things of God, amen? It's not what God has. So, Tony, where are you at, Tony? Come on up, man. We're going to do something here. I need you to uh, I need you to cut this board in half for me. All right, the Lord's got an assignment for you. All right, so I'm going to give you a tool. If you want to set that sawhorse up, put that board on. You know how this works, Mr. Construction Man here. And uh, I'm just going to give you an awesome tool that's I think just going to do the job. Here you go. <laughs> man that butter knife is doing some work there look at that 
I think, oh, I think I saw a speck. I think I saw a speck of sawdust. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody see anything wrong with this picture? Yeah, yeah there's no power. What's, what's going on? Why is he doing this? <laughs> Well, God has set in his body different members with different purposes, with different equippings, right? Some have been equipped with a butter knife to spread butter. So why is he over here trying to cut a piece of wood? <laughs> right. <laughs> Someone not so wise concocted this idea of be okay or smart for him to try to cut this wood with a butter knife. Ridiculous, right? All right, well, think about you. What things are you doing that God has not called you to do? And it seems like a struggle, right? It's like, oh, I just want to serve, and you jump now, and you just jump into something like, oh, yeah, I'm passionate about this, and you, you start doing it, and it's a nightmare. It's just, it's rubbing you the wrong way. You can't deal with the people. It's like, <laughs> it's like some people, you know, being maybe in children's ministry, and they just get upset at the kids, and they're yelling at them. It's like, and it's just like, there's no grace to operate. No anointing. It takes, it takes a grace to operate and to handle kids, right? <laughs> it's like, you need to be anointed to do that. Well, what about in the workplace? Some of you are struggling, <laughs> chasing your career, and it's, man, it's a struggle to get to the top. I feel like I have to promote myself all the time and make a big deal to the higher-ups or just didn't even notice me, right? And it's just like, man, it's, just, it's tough to do what I do. <laughs> Come on, Tony, you can do it. <laughs> Let's give Tony a round of applause. Come on, Tony, you can do it. <laughs> right it's a struggle trying to do this career it's like well have you ever asked yourself maybe you're not called to do this maybe you're in the wrong line of work right <laughs> right we've all been there we've all participated in things like oh this is not for me right why because God did not equip you with the tools to do that job but God has equipped you with a specific tool and a specific purpose. All right, Tony, you can put that butter knife down. Thank goodness, right? All right, what do you think is a better tool to uh, get this job done here? A steak knife. It's the, <laughs> a steak knife. <laughs> you know what? I got a great idea, Tony. I got a chisel. Now, chisel's for wood, right? All right I see you cut this board in half with a chisel. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't really have a normal hammer, so I'm going to have you use a sledgehammer. <laughs> yeah, we can set this up. <laughs> He's determined. I love it. He's like, oh, yeah, I accept this challenge. <laughs> it's a little bit better. This is better than a butter knife. Maybe. It's a little louder. Yeah, pretty straight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe in five years, you know, butter knife maybe ten years, but this one maybe five years. We're getting a little better here, right? This one, you're a little you're a little louder over there, Tony. You seem a little more annoyed and frustrated. Woo! He's fling he's throwing stuff now. Anyway, ever been a place where it's like, man, you just want to throw stuff like <laughs> Man, just Still don't feel like you're in the right spot. Still not doing the right thing the right way. No. No, yeah, let's put that down before you hurt yourself, Tony. Let's, let's, uh, let's, let's stop that. Right? This, sometimes the Lord will tell you, let's just stop that, right? <laughs> you can tell it's not working, right? <laughs> and he'll speak to your heart like, yeah, let's just let's get out of this, right? I have, a, I have a better way. I have another place for you that's going to fit and suit you better. All right, so, yes, all right, let's put away the dangerous uh, chisel and sledgehammer. Let's get out the real tool that's made for this job. Oh, yeah, 
Now we're talking. We're talking 20 volts here. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's juice. There's, there's plenty of juice. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Rip that baby. Ooh, yeah. Easy peasy. Look at that. Ooh, that's clean, Tony. That's, that's clean, man. Why does that look so different than your other work? Why does that look so much different? Why does that look? Oh, the right tool. Oh, you, you do the way you were supposed to do it. Yeah, right. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, much better finish, better product. It was easier. Right? Everyone could look and admire that. I mean, if you just kept hacking away at that other stuff. Not much to admire, right? Right? <laughs> Thanks, Tony. <laughs> right? So this is how it is with you. God has you set in the body to do a certain task, right? He's equipped you to do a certain thing. If you want to pull up that uh, scripture, yeah, that's it, thanks. That one that you had, I don't have my phone on me. We're going to turn to, was it 1 Corinthians 12, 28. 1 Corinthians 12, 28. By the way, I have printed out like 15 of my sermon notes. So when I'm done, if you want to be able to look back at the scriptures I used and some of the key phrases I used, it's going to be on the sheet. You can just come up and grab one. So, All right, we'll start with 27, says the wife. So let's start with there. It says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually of that body. And God has appointed these in the church. First, apostles second prophets, third teachers, and after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? It says, but earnestly desire the best gifts and yet I show you a more excellent way. See, God has in you to do something in here. He may have you do multiple. He says you can even desire and add to the gifts that he's called you. But you're going to have to grow in grace for those. Right? Just like some people who are naturally talented athletes, right? There are some people that are just like, they just grew up playing, playing sports and it just comes so natural. It's like they're so graced to do it. They could train for a half hour and just dominate, right? They just go do my warm-up. Then you have someone else that could train hours and hours a day and not even come close to the same level as a person that has this natural ability. It's like you can go ahead and you can work real hard to become good at a lot of things. I'm under the mindset I can do anything I set my mind to. You really can, but guess what? Depending on my grace and giftings that God's already placed in me, it may take me a lot longer to get at the same level that some, than someone else that God graced in that area. So where, they, where God graced somebody, they may take a year to develop them into this great ability at that level. But for me, yeah, I can set my mind. It may take me 10 years and a whole lot more effort Right? God wants you to operate where you're graced in, what he's called you to. Right? Don't try to be an evangelist when God hasn't called you to be an evangelist. Right? Yeah, you, you probably could try to do it, right? but it's, like, it's going to take you so much work, and at the end of the day, God's hand isn't on it. It's going to be dry. Right? Anybody been under some dry ministers or... People that, bosses that aren't anointed to be bosses, right? They just rule with an iron fist, no love, no compassion, no understanding, no ability to lead, but yet they're in the position. Well, what's wrong? It's like, they're not graced for that. Sorry. <laughs> God didn't put that in them. Yeah, they could probably work real hard to 
desire that gift to better in them, but it's, just go with what God has given you. He's given you plenty, plenty to do, right? Don't be such a rush to take someone else's position, someone else's calling. Why? Why? And you got your own, and you're going to be happy in your own. You're going to be full of joy and peace and fulfillment when you're in your own calling. Amen. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. These are what God wants to give you. He wants to give you the right lens to see through. If you start looking at life through the carnal lens, you're going, to run into, you're going to run into problems. Right? But when you see things his way, how he sees things, boop, all of a sudden you can start to see into the spirit. You can start to see the things that he's declared. And you now start to see a pathway to those things. Right? So you need to get your spiritual glasses on. Well, where do you get such spiritual... Where can I get one of those? Turn your spiritual eyes to the Lord will give you the correct lens and glasses to see the world through his perspective. The moment you take your focus off of him, you lose the lens and start to see carnally. So how does this work? Where do I get these glasses? Well, we just read in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. So what a lot of people don't realize is that when God speaks, it produces vision. And God said, let there be light. Light was. Right? But what about when he speaks something into the future? Well, it puts a vision in your head. We can practice this right now. I'm going to say the name of some objects and I want you to tell me what happens. Car, duck, piano, mouse. What's happening in your head right now? Pictures, animals, these objects. They're, you're seeing them in your head, right? This is a carnal, very easy way to, to demonstrate this, right? When someone speaks, you see. You see in your head, right? Well, this is what God does when he speaks and now gives you a picture, right? Now, how does God paint this picture? It's very interesting. We're going to tie in uh, this with faith. Romans ten seventeen says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So God speaks and faith. And Hebrews 11, 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I like to think of it this way. Faith is the substance, the paint, God uses to paint a vision of what he has declared. See, when you need hope, what do you need? You need the word of God to be declared and spoken or read to paint a picture for you, right? Like I said, when you graduate, it's like you start thinking, you start having a picture of college, and you start thinking of what you're going to study. You st then you start seeing yourself in the degree. Oh, I'm going to be an electrician. Okay, well, then you start seeing yourself as an electrician doing things and with wires, and it's like it's they, you just keep painting these pictures of your future. It's giving you a hope, a, maybe a carnal hope, but when God says something, he gives you an eternal hope. He gives you your plan and your destiny. This is why it's important to get into the Word, because the more you read the Word, the more hope for your future, the more He starts to paint and make clear the picture and the vision that He has for you. And how does He do that? With faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of this hope. Right? We can't receive anything except with faith. Right, that's that's how this that's how everything in the kingdom of God operates through faith. Right? 
So I'm going to do kind of one last uh, roll here. Courtney, if you want to hand out some uh, money here. <laughs> yes, that's great. <laughs> All right, I'm going to show you how this works. All right, so this money is going to represent faith. You got some faith. You read the word, you heard the word. Right? Well, what do you do with that faith? You stick it in your bank account, keep it there until you've passed away, save it all up? No, that's not what faith is for. Faith is for spending, right? Money is printed so you can spend it, right? Well, what are you going to spend it on? Well, what do you need? <laughs> A fast car, Carl says. <laughs> Cars aren't that satisfying. Let's see. What about a healing? Right? What about emotional healing? What about wisdom? What about guidance? What about purpose? What about destiny? What about love? Man, I need some more love in my life, Lord. I need courage. If I'm going to preach your gospel, Lord, I need some courage. How are you going to get those things? You got you to receive some faith. How do you receive faith? Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you start listening and hearing the word of God, God hands you faith. Right? But now it's not just good enough that he handed you faith. Now you got to spend the faith. Right? It's not good enough that your work gave you money. Now you've got to spend that money. can't just say to your bill collectors, don't worry, my money's in my bank. It's good. I'm good for it. Just take my word for it. It's good. It's in the bank. <laughs> right? They're going to be like, uh, yeah, take it out of the bank and put it in my bank. Right? <laughs> this is what God requires of us. This is how our faith life operates. So, God wants you to come spend your faith. So come spend your faith, guys. Come up here. Come spend your faith. Let me know what you have need of. Patience. Ooh, yeah, you better spend that five bucks. That's Yeah, <laughs> yeah I need 25. <laughs> oh, hold on, go yet. I got something for you. I have a receipt for you. Okay. Now, don't lose that receipt. I'm going to explain that why in a bit, okay? You're going to need that. All right, thank you. All right, what do you have need of here, Jordan? Peace. Peace, all right. I got some peace that passed. But here's your receipt. Just hold on to that. What do you need? Same as him. Peace, man. We need a lot of peace here. There you go. All right. How many know sometimes when you buy things like airline tickets and you want to use that <laughs> receipt, when you get to the airport and you show up and you say, all right, I want to go to Denver, and they say, okay, that's nice. You have money? Oh, no, I already purchased it. They say, okay. And you start walking, uh, excuse me, sir, come back here. Uh, I need a proof of purchase. I need a receipt to show that you actually, oh, just take my word for it. No, you need to hand them, you need to show them the receipt, right, that you actually spent something, right? Otherwise, they're not going to let you on the flight. <laughs> well, this is how the kingdom of God operates. When you go to God, he says, every promise of God is yes and amen. What does that mean? That means everything you ask that's according to his will, right? He's sitting up in heaven. He's like, go ahead, ask me stuff. He said, God, I want this. And it's, a, that's a, it's according to your will, Lord. He goes, boop. He hands you this receipt. This is a proof of purchase. You know what the proof of purchase is? Anybody got a Bible? A physical Bible? Oh, man, we're running low on physical Bibles here. <laughs> Thank you. 
What does he give you in return? He gives you his word. He gives you a receipt of the faith you spent. But you can't afford to lose this word. If you lose the receipt, you don't get to partake in what you spent it on. Right? So this is what the devil's after. He's after the word of God, your requests and your petitions. Right? Remember the parable of the sower? Right? He wants those thorny, stony, rocky thieves to come and take the word so it doesn't take root, so that you can't receive what the word was intended for. Because even though you have the receipt, having the receipt is good, but you need to hold on until. The Bible says through patience, faith, and what? Patience, you receive the promise. Right? If I start driving to the airport with my receipt and then throw it out the window, it does me no good as if I never even got it. Right? Same thing with the word of God. And when you go and give your request before the Lord and ask of him of something, and then it doesn't happen in the time frame you thought, and you just throw that word out, and you say, ah, that's not going to happen. Lord, it's too late. What will happen? You're not going to receive. So I just want to quickly demonstrate what is actually this moment. God hands you that receipt. He also goes like this. Let me get a uh, tone if you want to come up again. He goes, angels, ministering spirits. Hey, you see this? Uh, I just gave him a receipt of proof of purchase. Uh, I want you to go and deliver that, okay? Yeah. All right. So make your way. Do a lap around the church here. So what happens is guess what? God's in the third heaven, and so are the angels. But guess what? Yeah, you just walk around and walk a while until, until I uh, do something here. But there's the third heaven, which is heaven, heaven. Then you have the second heaven. And guess what? That's where the powers of the prince of the air are. Right? And guess what? We're on the first heaven. Well, there's an enemy forces between the third heaven and the first heaven, right? There are enemy forces between God and you, right? So what is Satan going to do? He's going to try to interfere with this promise. <laughs> right? You're coming to deliver what was asked of. And so the devils and demons are trying to combat. No, you're not going to deliver that. Get out of here. Right? So what happens? Well, depending on how many forces were dispatched, it may take longer. But the Bible says one can cast 1,000 to flight, but two can cast 10,000. This is literally happening. This is why the prayer of agreement is so powerful. Thanks, Tony. Because sometimes... There are a lot more forces at work going against what you prayed for. And it may take a while for them to deliver to where that promise becomes manifest in your life, where you can tangibly see it. See, it needs to cross over from the spirit realm. See, when you petition God, God's spirit, he sent his spirits to deliver it to you. So they need to pass from this spiritual realm into the natural realm. Well, that might take some time. It might be instant. There might be no forces in the way he may have a doorway open a portal that's just boop, and he can make it happen right away but some things he needs to send ups style all right some things he needs to deliver and go through some enemy forces like in daniel daniel prayed and 21 day, days later the answer arrived and Daniel's like well what happened why did it take so long it's like there was prince of the air of persia <laughs> was against me what's he talking about there were spiritual forces preventing that message from getting delivered in a timely fashion. Because this was, this was about kingdoms. and You know, when you have cities, yeah, there's a certain amount of principalities over cities and certain more over states and certain more over countries. So when you're praying for countries, you better believe there's a whole lot of forces to deal with. That's why you need to have a corporate group come together because there's so much more power, more angels being released to deal with that, right? You try praying on your own, it's, yeah, you have a couple, you know, angels to dispatch, but man, when you get the body to come together and do it, it releases so much more, right? 
So, thank you. Why have I returned this Bible? <laughs> Don't want to be a thief. <laughs> right, so the Lord wanted to show and demonstrate how it actually works. All right? So just, you just need to hold on to the word until it manifests. All right? The moment you let go, it's never going to manifest. Right? But it, it's on its way. And if you want it to happen quicker, guess what? I suggest grabbing a prayer partner, someone that knows how to spend faith as well, and you can dispatch more forces to aid that delivery, right? And if you do drop it for a bit, well, guess what? Go right back up. It's a repent. Oh, sorry, Lord. I, I chose, I got discouraged and whatnot, but I'm going to pick your word back up. Guess what? The receipt's still good. You threw it in the trash, go dig through that trash. <laughs> right because you purchased you spent some faith faith is valuable amen hallelujah well i hope you guys got something out of this tonight or tonight this morning <laughs> just can't get away from it <laughs> god's gonna start to show you clear things up start to speak to some of these mountains that you know are in your way so you begin to see what God has in store for you, and then spend your faith, and then wait patiently, right? Man, and you're going to see him start to kick in. You're going to see him start to answer these promises. Boom, 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 and things are going to start moving for you. Anybody excited for that to happen? Amen? Amen. I see it now. Just God is going to use his people in such a greater magnitude. We've let it up to so few to do so much work for, for too long, right? Now it's, I tell you, the body's kicking up to where everybody's going to be involved in all sorts of things, just helping each other out. It's just going to be awesome. The, <laughs> this, this, the companionship and just the closeness of the body is just going to ignite, man. It's going to explode what God wants to do in this earth, amen? Hallelujah. Well, Lord, we